Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode. Today I'm talking to Dennis Oakley, founder of Dennis Oakley & Co, which provides innovative business models, strategies and mentorship to give startups a better chance of success. With more than 20 years experience as an entrepreneur, Dennis has seen and experienced it all. An engineer by training, Dennis also has a philosophy degree and an MBA. What a combination. This varied career enables Dennis to look at business and entrepreneurship from unique angles. He is also an author and keen adventurer who's taken on challenges such as marathons in Borneo and in Everest. Our conversation covers everything from applying scientific thinking to business and starting a business in a recession to working with an Olympic hockey coach and Dennis's five-step business model and innovative process. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. Hello, Dennis. Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Hi, Warren. Uh, thanks thanks for very much for having me here. Yeah, it's going to be great to have you on the podcast. There's so much we're going to talk about today, uh, particularly around you know disruption, the industries that are being disrupted and kind of how business models need to change as a result and, and what you do to help businesses and startups in that process. But again, I suppose to put something in context for our listeners, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, Dennis, and your background, please. Right. Thanks, Warren. Well, I think the, the simplest thing to say is uh, I'm, I'm a strategist who who helps startups and, and very much it's, it's helping them to make wise choices to to get through the entrepreneurial journey faster. Um, I started off about 20 years, 30 years ago now doing a philosophy degree, thinking about how ideas uh, influence society and science. Um, ended up as a systems engineer um, designing high high speed rail systems and, and then eventually sort of created my own startup. I went out to Southeast Asia for 15 years and ended okay. up sort of coaching and mentoring startups. Wow. So quite a journey that you've been on. I'm quite interested because you've got these two degrees. So when I'm doing a bit of background on you, yeah. one in philosophy, one in engineering, that's probably quite unique, isn't it? Because isn't the approach to both and the way of thinking different? Yes and and no. I mean, the the tradition of philosophy that I was I, I was taught, analytic philosophy, is is very very logic driven. Uh, okay, so that's very uh, similar to the engineering world then. Yeah, e- e- exactly. And I, I think the difference is that you think you can apply the logic to absolutely en- anything rather than just electronics or on mechanical engineering or, or what have you. And it's a very useful tool. Yeah. OK. And having done that degree in philosophy and now doing what you do, how do you think that's influenced your approach to both business and life and your own perspectives? Wow. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. Um, 
I, I think the the really formative thing was reading a book by a chap called Thomas Kuhn. He, he wrote it in the 1960s and it's called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. And it, it really talks about how societies reject ideas, adopt ideas, and, and when they've got problems with how the world is working, how they change from one set of ideas to, to another. Kuhn was talking very much about science and I've been applying it to, to business in a, in a less academic sense ever since. And, and that really thinking about I, ideas as being malleable, changeable, um, and the entrepreneur, entrepreneur being able to play with them has driven a lot of the thinking that I've done over the last 10 or 15 years. Fantastic. And it, that's quite interesting, isn't it? That piece around, I suppose, the transfer from having academic knowledge or study and bringing it into the real world, you know, that's, that's a skill in itself, isn't it, Dennis? I think so. I mean, an awful lot of people say, oh, you don't need an MBA uh, to, to be an entrepreneur. And to be honest, I, I, I did one of the best MBAs in the in, in the world. And it was great if you were a middle manager at a large corporate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, so many of those tools, I, I just find myself reaching out to and using again and again. I was using the Ansoff Matrix or the other day for looking at, at growth strategies. And it's like, it's really useful templates there. There's loads yeah. of, of, of great data and research that you can just pull and, and use on top of the kind of the experiential knowledge that we have as entrepreneurs, because there's too much. Well, if you want to succeed, do what I did because I did this and I made a billion dollars. And and that's a sample <laughs> size of one. Is it generalizable? We don't know. Some of the academic research is and is very much take it. Does it does it give us predictive capability? Does it help us to explain what's happening? Can we use it to create a strategy, take us further and faster than we'd other be able to otherwise be able to do? Definitely, definitely. And when you talk about your own entrepreneurial journey, what made you make the switch from running your own business to being a coach? I think I think there were uh, an, a number of things. Um, I'd, uh, I made one of I made so many mistakes. I've got to say, I mean, sort of so <laughs> don't many ups know, and downs and, and, and I still feel really embarrassed about it because I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. Um, but part of it was um, we we'd hit a hit a bit of a wall. Um, we were sort of selling a commodity product, trying to do it differently, and that didn't work after the financial crisis. Um, and we sort of kind of sat, sat down, and I came across Alexander Rostervalder's business model generation and started applying that. And I think we went through about 27 different iterations of the business model in about six months as we desperately tried to, to, to get something to, uh, to, to work. And, uh, and after a while, I thought, oh, this is really interesting. I want to do more of this. And, and so started telling people about it. And people said, oh, can you do one for me? Can you do one for me? Can you do one for me? And over, over time, I did more and more of it and decided, well, actually, it's far more interesting talking to people and helping them grow than actually sitting down and, and, and doing all the hard work myself. Sorry, <laughs> Inspiring others that. rather than doing. <laughs> yes. Brilliant. So perhaps we should just, you know, I'm really intrigued because, you know, in the world we're living, you don't even need to refer to a pandemic, do you? You just pre-pandemic, the world is changing at such a pace mm. that, you know, and I'm... You know, something you talk about quite a lot is the kind of industry disruption piece. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, again, you know, with everything else that's now going on in the world and are we, you know, God forbid heading for another recession or what may be, things will change at a quicker pace even still. So 
you know, how do you think business owners, entrepreneurs should be approaching considering what's happening in their industry and trying to know what disruption is occurring? Is there a model they can apply? Is there some questions they should be asking themselves? You know, what should a business owner be doing right now, Dennis? Um, I think if it's a, if you're an entrepreneurial uh, owner, it's very much thinking, oh, good, there, 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 there's a recession coming because, I mean, the data is there's very an opportunity. clear. Yeah. Yes. If you start a business in a recession compared to in a boom time, you're likely to succeed more. If you get through the recession, you're going to go far faster uh, when, when you get out of it. I mean, you just look at the data that comes out of people like the Scale Up Institute. That's absolutely um, clear. Um, Having gone through uh, a number of absolutely horrendous recessions uh, when, when I was running my own startup and, and seeing our customers lose 90% of their business. And, and frankly, there's not a lot that you can do to, to sell or market your way out of it. And there's not a lot that you can do, given that scale, to even to reduce your costs to survive. So yeah. it, it's very much, I think, sitting down and going out and sort of what are the problems that people have got i was talking to my brother-in-law who runs um a, a a supermarket in 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 luton yesterday and he said the big problem with all the prices going up is that his stock taking his goods inwards is absolutely chaotic because he's having to spend five times as much time because so many prices are going up which means that so much more has got to be checked something i'd have never have had a clue clue about but that's the sort of thing you're thinking, oh, that's an opportunity. If he's got this problem, hundreds of thousands of small independent business owners are going to be having a similar problem. What can I do with that? Mm. And a lot of the time it's leveraging your own domain experience and getting out of that, that happy place where you know how the world works and say, well, what happens if it's different? I mean, literally, I think most of the time, most business owners have blinkers on mm. because most of the time under normal circumstances, it's all about executing. How, how much faster, how much better, how much quicker, how much cheaper can you do this? But there gets a point when you go into a recession, you go into a disruptive environment, those tools stop working mm. for you because the world doesn't work the way it works uh, any longer. And you need to go off in a different direction, at which point you have to start and sit down and say, right, OK, let's take the blinkers off, look at different things and see how it really works. But I suppose psychologically, that can be really difficult for a business owner, can't it? An entrepreneur, <laughs> because, you know, business as usual is the comfort zone. Um, yeah. If it's kind of working, don't, you know, if it's working, which probably is right now, maybe, and, and thinking about change for something that may or may not happen in 12, 18 months time is a difficult, brave step for some people to make a necessary one. I'm completely with you. But yeah. how do you get people to think differently and step outside of their comfort zone and take the blinkers off, Dennis? Um, sometimes it's a little bit difficult. It's a little bit scary. Um Right at the beginning of, of COVID, I was working with a, a, a food delivery startup. Um, we were we were we were growing at about 20, 30 percent a week, which was really, really nice. Uh, but it was a direct sales channel. We'd run events. Um, people would come to them. We'd sign them up. Bump, and it, it was going very, very nicely. Lockdown. We couldn't do any of that. So yeah. we were sat down with the business model thinking about what what we could do. Um, and I started asking 
stupid questions. I said one of them was, well, what happens if we give the food away for free? Um, <laughs> which point <laughs> the entrepreneurs were staring death in his face. He just looked at me and I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to be in the room for about another 30 seconds uh, with it with his foot in my ass. Um, uh, but he, he sort of he paused and uh, and we just started running running this this through um and and what we did is we tweaked the business model we gave all the food away to hospitals yeah and we got people to pay us to make the food to give it away to all the front lines uh medical staff yeah and, and that's what we did and, and we increased sales massively yeah and, and we gave away literally tens if not hundreds of thousands of of, of meals uh, and it was it was absolutely massive, and the startup sort of went up up and up, and and so it's it's having the confidence in yourself as a, as an entrepreneur to sort of say, well, yes, my idea has been good so far, but let's step back. And there's always this this big challenge because entrepreneurs love the idea of what mm. they're doing, but really we're out there to solve problems. And a lot of the very early stage entrepreneurs I work with, you've got to persuade them. So, drop the idea is it is the diving board you come up to the top of the diving board you jump off you don't need the diving board again you don't need the idea again yeah, yeah. what are the real problems that you're out there to to change and and this is why uh, change is so wonderful because it gives you so much more opportunity um to to create uh, new uh, find new pains create new businesses that nobody else is looking for fantastic and but on that side of things, you do get those that are fixated with that original idea and, you know, trying to change their thinking and get them away from that and find the, you know, I'd call it find the, you know, what they, the paracetamol for kind of approach is one thing. But then you've got the other kind of entrepreneur, haven't you, that always is after, is like the magpie, is always trying to find the shiny new thing. Yeah. And therefore, how do you manage them? Because they're always, they must, they're the kind of epitome of, you know, perhaps that example you've is how do you manage them to be perhaps more methodical and follow a process um i i um i asked my uh the the business school um where, where i did my mba uh, whether i could be a mentor and I, I went through the mentoring and it's all they said you've got to be very um non-directive dennis you've got to help ask people you've got to encourage them to think things through um and Frankly, I, I, that is just a whole load of bollocks. It doesn't work uh, for <laughs> entrepreneurship. It might work for, for people in, in, in a big companies. But broadly speaking, when entrepreneurs and, and founders hire me as, as a mentor, they're hiring me and, and I guess you for, you for your experience. And mm -hmm. sometimes you just say, no, that's a, that's a bloody shit idea. You don't yeah. want to be doing that. You have not got the resources to do that. You have to make a choice. And part of, I think... The, the value that you and I bring and the, the lessons that entrepreneurs need to learn is what am I going to choose not to do? What yeah. do I choose to, to, to leave behind? Stop doing, trying to do everything. Yeah. The biggest yeah. decision is what am I not going to do? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's that simple. You keep them focused. And, and sometimes the, the bluntness says, Dennis, I don't think you're a fit. And that's perfectly okay because i want to work with the people who are going to really focus themselves on creating change in the world moving forward and there's a lot of ego in it i've, I've got just as much as anybody else yeah. but are we in it to make our egos feel good or are we in it to make change in the world and so as much as possible everything should be evidence-based which is scary
It is. <laughs> and um, we've, you've mentioned the word there many times, change. So how do you help clients go through that change management process? Because one of the things is, you know, making them be more innovative, make them think about their business model, you know, accepting they need to change. You're working with the owner or the entrepreneur, they come up with the idea, but then actually the implementation itself and that change management process internally, if they've got a team, is a difficult stage. So any words of wisdom and advice that you'd give? I'm not a brilliant change management person. I mean, my, my, I, I really focus on strategy rather than all the leadership. Um, what, I, what I find works best is the, the workshops where we're sitting down with people and... I'm sort of constantly chipping away at their their certainties, trying to get them to a point. And, and usually in most workshops, people have this kind of wow moment as they just start seeing the world differently. They, okay. uh, I, I remember I was working with a, 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 a non-governmental organisation. Uh, they were sort of one of these regional investment or, or authorities. Um, and they always thought that their customers were the people who were bringing FDI into uh, foreign direct investment into the country. And I said, mm. well, what happens if we flip it around and we see the government yeah, as the customer, and your whole reason raison d'etre is to be increasing the number of jobs. What happens if we build a business around like like that? And and reframing our obvious reality in a totally different way gets is, is very effective at getting rid of mm. the, the blinkers. And when they start seeing it, um then then for a while they're 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 free. It's it's a little bit like the 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 uh, butterflies coming out of the chrysalis with very damp yeah. wings for a while they're they're flexible and they can do anything and then it sort of hardens up but hopefully in that period you've managed to to help them see enough of the world in a different light um yeah. that it's going to be very cool must be really liberating when you do you know enable a client and a customer to put a different lens on and see the world or see their business slightly differently and have you got any particular success stories you know may, maybe some stories that maybe some of our listeners can learn from dennis um, I, I think I've, I've, I've given you a sort of a, a, a couple of them. I mean, the the, the startup sort of go, go, going out and sort of just really seeing the, the world differently. I was working also with um, um, a wonderful coach, um, Andrew Silito. Um, he he led the um, UK men's I think hockey team to a gold Olympic medal a few a few years ago, and we we sat down. I think two or three years ago, um, thinking about how he could develop his leadership coaching business. And we we looked at um, a lot of what a lot of the other recruitment leadership companies were doing. We looked at what Seth Godin was doing with Akimbo. We looked at, um, I think, uh, Vision uh, Lakani was doing with Mind Valley, trying to find um, different business models where he could go in. And, and so a lot of it was really thinking well okay there are a lot of people going out there with very hard sales very marketing focused approaches yeah. how do we do something really really quite different um and the, and the result that we ended up with is he he's got um, a lot of um i think we call them masterminds as, as, a, as a quick quick way of, of where the people on the courses are training the people on the courses uh, which really massively changes the the resource base and also a huge amount of of word of mouth 
Um, yeah. and, and that's been hugely successful. Fantastic. And well, I'm also interested in kind of some of the trends that are out there and how, you know, somebody coming into some of those markets would disrupt um, Dennis. Because, you know, we've gone from maybe five to 10 years ago, everything was pay as you go. Yeah. And now we're, you know, most consumer products, when they think about innovation, it's probably isn't innovation now going towards a subscription model. Mm -hmm. How much of your thinking and support for clients is around the actual trend in the market compared to them doing what you say about thinking differently? Because is it always about bucking the trend or is it if they're perhaps in a historic place, bringing them into what is the current trend? Maybe that is subscription models, for example. Um. I think my 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 basic principle is, is somewhat contrarian. If everybody else is doing it, um, you shouldn't be doing it, and 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 that really only applies to entrepreneurs. Um, mm. So if you go back to say, um, let's say 1900, Henry Henry Ford was making making cars in Detroit, or I can't remember if he was on his third or fourth bankruptcy at, at, at yeah. that point, but. The, the, he didn't just have 30 competitors making cars out there. I mean, when I was growing up, there were sort of four or five car companies in the US. It wasn't 300. There were about 13 other, uh, 1,300 other car manufacturers in the US. Mm. And so you haven't just got to get in there and get the opportunity, but you've got to go in there and wipe out all the other buggers who are sort of really sort of trying to achieve the same op opportunity as you have. And, and there are... There's a, there's a life cycle in, in, in business models. It's basically an S-shaped curve and the plateaus at the top and then goes down. Um, and you've got an opportunity to come up with new business models and be doing something quite different right at the beginning of the life cycle before anybody know, before people know what yeah, works. Before they know what they want. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to say the, the cars, I mean, in, in about 1900, you could get diesel cars, petrol cars, steam driven cars, coal driven cars, electric driven cars hydraulic cars yeah hundreds of different methods that well not hundreds but lots of different propulsion yeah. methods as they try to figure out what actually is a car what's going to be most efficient across all the different um um whatevers um and so you've got this place right at the beginning of a life cycle but you've also got one right at the end where uh companies are starting to decline so i'd say okay the electricity industry for example, mm. so many houses have got solar powers on the, on the head on, on the roof now. Does the electricity industry still need massive centralized power stations with national grids and and huge distribution networks? How vulnerable is it um, if we sort of chuck superconductors into into the mix or sort of massive batteries inside houses, a la Elon Musk, and 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 power cells on 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 roofs? what's that going to change how's that going to change that industry um and these are the things that you need to start looking for and this comes back to thomas kuhn yeah you, what you're looking for as a businessman are, are the anomalies what are the things that are odd about your industry that people just take as truth but if you step yeah. back a bit that's a bit bloody weird yeah so let's go into that and go into that. and do you have people come to you thinking look i want to start a business and I need and I want to find an industry to disrupt? Or do most people come to you with a thought, an idea or an industry that they want to work in? Most people come to me too late, honestly. Uh, they, they can't. So where um, they're more at the top of the curve, are they, do you think, in a, in a um, business model cycle? They, uh, 
the, one of the biggest mistakes that the entrepreneurs make is they go out and they spend a, a grand or a hundred grand or a million quid on a piece of software or, or a prototype uh and nobody nobody wants it yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's a fucking disaster fun my friends it really it really is and it, and it is so destroying um yeah. but i had somebody come to me this morning and it looked like he he should be going into education technology and he said dennis i'm looking for some really good business models that i i can apply apply to my industry and i said forget about your ideas forget about that just go out talk to 30 or 40 people uh in that you know in the market that you want to serve who you'd love as customers and say what are the problems that you've got yeah yeah and then come back to me with a bunch of problems and then we've got a, a reasonably no pretty damn good process that so okay takes these uh, problems helps you work out what a good value proposition is going to be go out and test that value proposition sees if it sees if it's going to work um and you've then got you know that people are going to be buying your stuff before you spent even a thousand quid on on yeah. software or a website it totally de-risks the whole thing and this yeah. is where you really have to go but that, that enthusiasm of the entrepreneur, it's an easy mistake to make, isn't it? Because the enthusiasm is there. It comes back to having an idea and not a business model. So they have the idea and they plow their seed capital, their, the money they've saved or whatever investment they can get from friends or family or, you know, God forbid, bank debt into building their idea and yeah. then think about the business model. And that's the mistake, isn't it? Oh, for, for sure. I, I remember uh, one chap, he came to me and he says, Dennis, I have this absolutely amazing idea. I'm going to put flexible video screens on people's T-shirts. Yeah. Uh, and we are, are going to basically people will walk around with these adverts on them. They're going to make money. The brands are going to make money and everybody's going to be happy. And I was like, mm, right. OK, okay. <laughs> how much how much is it going to cost you to do this? And he says, well, I, I'm looking for about three or four million quid to do the research and 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 manufacturing i said right okay and i got my ipad and i cut a hole in a t-shirt put the ipad in got some sticky tape got a coca-cola advert and, and went out uh, on onto the onto the uh, metro system uh and i got somebody watching watching everybody who was watching seeing how many eyes looked at my chest and then somebody yeah. else was counting the amount of time nobody looked nobody cared and the <laughs> evidence was absolutely massive that this was a, a yeah. bad idea from the start and it's how can you test your ideas with five or ten or twenty dollars in an afternoon before you go out you put all this time into it uh and, and and then you just ruin your life ruin your relationship with friends lose so much money that you you've saved yeah. up and and it's the time thing isn't it if you know if you're um, if you're on a journey and you're hung hungry to succeed then you've got to focus your time on the right things and not the missed opportunities or the opportunity. Yeah. You, you know, focus on the right opportunities. And I suppose, I suppose that comes down to at what point do the, this is the person with the idea, the person that you'd work with that generates the kind of opportunity and innovates and finds a model. What point do you think is the right time for them to hand over to a team to take their business forward? Cause that's another piece in this startup conundrum where you know some people hang on too long some people get out too quick is there any thoughts and experiences that you've had in that world dennis i generally uh rule of thumb um so solo founder um is, is is a red flag especially um if they're looking for vc funding because yeah it it, it doesn't happen 
yeah um because the the, the vcs think okay uh, if if this guy or girl can't persuade anybody else to join along as co-founder um how good are they going to be uh, sort, of, sort of selling to a team selling to suppliers selling to customers and holding it all together um so one of the first things i try and do is sort of say well okay how are you going to build your your team out because um trying to do it by yourself is really really tough mm. you can't go out and sell to customers and look after product development and know enough about the tech and do the marketing these are all full-time jobs and you need two or three of you at least to form the the, the the core of it so this is absolutely critical yeah if you're going out and building and doing stuff without anybody um then slow down however if you got if you've got something and you're going out and you're selling something already and you've got some cash coming in that's a slightly different case because you can build a team up around your ability to um yeah. to, to sell the product and you touched on a name earlier and i just want to do you see this individual as the prime business model innovator of our time and if obviously i'm going to mention the name Elon musk there is he somebody that you admire for what he does and how he disrupts markets no, I, I, I don't admire anybody. I mean, that seems to be a psychological failing of, of, of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I tried really hard to, to, to find heroes. Uh, I, I, I've never managed to to do it. Um, I, I, re I do really enjoy um, the elegance of what, 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 what he's done. Uh, I, I remember sort of talking to um somebody who's in the a german car retail uh, or car distribution industry um a, a while back and they were sort of just basically showing that what elon's done it was just margins were going down year after year after year in, in in the wholesalers and they were getting out of the market and it was just like this is beautiful the the way that you're constructing a business model yeah and it's helping you make more sales it's helping you grow your business and at the same time it's helping everybody rip their businesses apart uh i've got a lot of inspiration uh from, from from that and i think this is what people need to look at it's the it's the elegance of the design it's the it's the power of the strategy rather than the the hero worship which doesn't really help you as an entrepreneur uh, create yeah. your own business because you are not elon musk you're not going to be elon musk even no, if you do everything that he does unique. in his biography <laughs> yeah yeah but think about how he does it learn the rules and then try and and twist the rules come up with your own twist um because if you look at um say napoleon brilliant innovator in military strategy by the end of his career everybody else had figured out how he was doing it and was beating yeah. up his own game so elon can figure it out you can copy it and make it better because we're all just dwarves standing on the shoulders of giants that's what what gives us all hope fantastic fantastic and as we sort of i've got some things that i wanted other things i want to talk to you about but as we wrap up that piece of the kind of conversation around business model innovation and we've i think we've touched on it during the course of that you know 20 minute half hour conversation but you've got a free ebook that details your process but just for our listeners could you just highlight the five step business model innovation process that you would suggest they go through sure um so i'm unlike most people I, I don't really give a monkeys about your product uh yeah that is not that important 
Um, it's all about the, the context and how you are positioning yourself. So the first thing that you go and do is go out and, and look at all the other people in the market. And specifically, you're not doing the, the old boring squat and pestle, etc. You're looking at their business models. Yeah. Uh, what is the business model of, of, of the big people in the in the in the market? Um, the, the different types and typically you'll find four to five you might want to look at a couple of up and coming uh, entrepreneurial businesses who are coming in right and it's these business models that you're fundamentally fighting about so that gives you the first stage draw them all out try and figure out the strengths and weaknesses of each business model how it works um, then you sit down, you, you start thinking about the problems that the, the customers are going to have, uh, where you can find niches of, of, of problems and pains that other people in the market aren't really addressing. Because markets and societies are always moving, they, these gaps and uh, problem opportunities are always emerging uh, faster when the markets are changing quickly. Yep. Once you've got that, pull together your initial value proposition. Um, and that is very much, uh, these are the pains, these are the things that we're going to do to solve the pains, yeah? And then you wrap it up in whatever techno wizardry or, or, or app or product or piece of software or service that you want to, to do, yeah? Um, go out and test it, see if you can make some sales, yeah? yeah. Then that gives you the, the basis. We know we've got something, uh, that people want we know what the roughly the market is then you start designing a business model that is going to deliver that value proposition and it, it, it's going to be disrupting uh making it hard for those existing players in the market to compete with you and then the final stage is thinking about multiple different axes um uh, what so do people want more personal or less personal service do they want bigger drive capacity or less and so come up with multiple variations on your business model to start game theorying it through so if i do this what's likely to be the response what how how will people react to me uh have i got a reasonable chance of of, of surviving and and this process it's not what most startups do, but it then positions you much better in, in this sort of very crowded market um, because every startup has hundreds, if not thousands of competitors, positions you much better to start wiping them out. Uh, and yeah. that's what you've got to do to survive. Fantastic. Fantastic. I can see how that would give you those solid foundations and that confidence to mm. move forward. And actually, maybe that's that's the thing, isn't it, is a lot of entrepreneurial entrepreneurs start they might be throwing their savings at it as we discussed earlier and but they, they yeah. don't feel like they've got that inner confidence behind it sometimes and therefore yeah. you know make, make hesitate make wrong decisions but if you can put it in context because you've gone through a process as methodical as that you feel firm you feel confident and you're yeah. more likely therefore to succeed i can see that dennis absolutely yeah. so just want to talk to you about some of the personal things you do so under as i understand it in your spare time you like to head out into the wilderness whether it's exploring deserts in dubai or am i right in thinking you run some marathons in borneo and, and everest and um and how you know, how does challenging yourself um how do you bring that into the work that you do dennis 
when i was very young and naive i about the age of 30 i think maybe a little bit younger uh, i read it i think it was in inc or entrepreneur magazine that most successful uh entrepreneurs are triathletes and therefore i thought <laughs> therefore i'm gonna ha- i'm gonna become, I'm a, gonna triathlete. become a triathlete <laughs> and, and that's gonna make me successful as an entrepreneur um ah, pros pros and, and cons but I, I found a number of things, um, an awful lot of hard work and, and, and sweating and, and suffering was really good to uh, balance the, the sitting down at, at the desk and the, and the mental stress. You, and you sort of you play hard and, 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 and you work very hard. Um, but it also gave me a, a huge amount of resilience that an awful lot of the times, I mean, I remember one startup we worked for, which was funded by uh, y, y Combinator, uh, which just got a tranche of funding come through. And, and then one of the uh, pressure hoses in the, in the kitchen uh, came off as we were, we, we were cooking the food. And, and suddenly that the whole kitchen was a fireball and the, the chief cook had to sort of hide in the, in the walk-in refrigerator in, in order to uh, not be burned to death. And sort of the, the, the fire brigade had to cut him out. And so we we had the whole business toasted, literally. Um, and it was like, OK, three three days later, uh, we, we'd moved into the founder's house and, and we were cooking 500 meals a day out of that and, and, and delivering it. OK, we lost a lot of customers, but is that that mental resilience? Oh, shit, it's put it down. What are we going to do next? How do we do this? Mm. And, and within literally I think 90 minutes of, of getting to the to the fire site, we'd already got conti- well made up contingency plans because we hadn't done any business yeah. continuity or any of that, uh, and we were getting things moving. And, and it would have been so easy just to go home, crying to my pillow, and say, "I can't, can't do yeah. this." But that any, resilience any from doing personal challenge came through, really. Yeah, and and just having gone up through. Um, a lot of this physical stuff i mean i've chopped my fingers off i've had snake some of the most poisonous snakes in the world fall uh, out of trees on, on on top of me i've been hospitalized with heat exhaustion and and so on and so forth um when it comes down to that a fire in the shop at work it's like ah whatever let's car- carry on and and, yeah. and that has been um superb in sort of just giving the confidence to, to keep at it fantastic are you working towards a challenge at the moment um i'm really really fat i sort of got back to england and i'm just sitting way too much uh, at a desk so uh, <laughs> that's so a very tonight... honest answer dennis thank you <laughs> <laughs> but it's gonna happen uh, so um i'll get there perfect and just a couple of quick fire questions really to round up um you obviously give advice to others what's the best piece of advice though that you think you've ever received dennis the best piece of advice um i've ever i've ever received i i think um choose what you're not going to do okay uh, one of one of my friends she's just said dennis you do too much decide what you don't want to do and, and just have to apply it to all declutter okay love that that's brilliant and what hard thing are you not doing enough of right now what hard thing am i not doing enough of um i don't do enough sales like 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 mm-hmm. most people um yeah. I, 
I I I I, I, I struggle I struggle a little bit with um with autism, and so it's sort of going out and sort of constantly being on the phone to people is 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 quite quite tough. Um, so I, I'm working out a, a process so that that becomes a lot easier. So it's a weakness. I know it's a weakness. How do I build my process so that that weakness doesn't hold me back and in fact uses my strengths to move me forward? Fantastic. Fantastic. And the very last question it is the Evolve to Succeed podcast. So how would you define success, Dennis? Success. I think being authentic and totally comfortable in yourself and being able to live a life where you don't have to make too many compromises that destroy your soul. Oh, I love that answer. I love that. Yeah. Be authentic. Don't make choices that destroy your soul. What a great way to end this conversation, Dennis. If people want to learn more about you, more about the consultancy and everything that you do, where can they go? They head across to um, dennis-oakley.com, Dennis with one N, um, or find me on LinkedIn and you can just put in Dennis Oakley Innovation and you should find me and you can send me a DM from either. Thank you, Dennis. I've loved having you as a guest on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you very much, Warren. I've really enjoyed it. It's absolutely brilliant. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.